Glory to God. Whew. You know, Fred and I talked about the goings-ons. And uh, I still, still caught me off guard. Totally surprised. You guys are awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, thank you so much. You guys are such a wonderful wonderful church. Uh, it's just a pleasure to pastor you guys. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. It's a pleasure to to run with you guys, to run after the Lord with you guys. And I mean that. This is, uh, it's a joy in my heart. It's, it's a pleasure and I wouldn't have it any other way. And um, I would say that, you know, you guys go overboard. You guys do too much. Stop it. Except I can't say that because the Bible says to give honor where honor is due, and we have a culture of honor here at Redeeming Love, and uh, I just want to thank you all for being so gracious in honoring us, and um, every card that we get, it's fantastic. Uh, some people write 10, letter, 10 words, and it's fantastic, and other people write pages, and it's fantastic, and I won't even get into the, the money. I mean, you you can keep it, you can stop, but I can't stop you, so thank you. I'll just say thank you. Thank you in advance. Thank you for last year. Thank you for the year before. Thank you for uh, everything that you do. Uh, we believe in honor. We believe in honoring one another. Uh, honor is God's idea. It's God's idea to honor each other, and uh, we seek to do that here, uh, not just talking about myself, but everyone, um, from Pastor Tom to children's church teachers, to engage group leaders, to host couples, to even the people that just clean and even just first-time guests. We want to honor everyone. Everyone gets honored. Amen? Amen. Hey, I'm so happy to be here today. Uh, that literally did throw me. I had no idea. I mean, I knew that it was coming, and I just totally forgot, and it happened. We're starting a new uh, sermon series. We're starting new engage groups that are going to go along with the sermon series. So here's what's going to happen. I'm preaching on chapter one today. You're going to read chapter one this week so that when you go to your small group, some of them start tomorrow, you can go over the discussion questions in the back with your group. Amen? Any confusion? All right. I'm preaching on chapter one. You're going to read chapter one. We're going to talk about chapter one. Just walk across the room. I love this book. I read it a number of years ago. We did it with a group uh, a number of years ago. And it's one of the books that I believe is very, uh, it's very impactful. It's very needful. And um, as I prepared the sermon series, uh, I, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, you need to talk to them. You need to tell them about evangelism. You need to talk to the people and tell them about sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with every person that they meet. You need to encourage the people. I need to encourage myself because I don't do it great. So, you know, if you say, I'm not good at evangelism, this group's for you. And if you are great at evangelism, then come and encourage us in the small groups. There's no excuse to not get in a group. If you're terrible at it, sign up. If you're okay at it, sign up. If you're great at it, please sign up. Tell us your secrets. Tell us how it works. You know, there's some things that I'm good at and there's some things that I'm not. The things that I'm good at, I tell everybody about and I tell them how to do it. I'm a pretty good gardener. 
We had so many tomatoes this year, we were giving them away, giving them away, giving them away. We've canned more than ever. It's been a fantastic year. Paul was telling me he did the same thing. He's giving them away, giving them away, giving them away. Part of it is the fact that we didn't have the, the blight come through this year. But the other part is that I, I water well, I weed well. I'm a gardener. I know how to do these things. And so I can give you tips. If you want to know how to grow tomatoes, I can give you tips. You can grow a lot of tomatoes. Somebody out there is a really good evangelist, and I need you to come to the small groups, sign up for a small group, and tell us how you do it. Give us the little tips. There's little secrets that nobody knows, that only you know, that we need to know. Amen? Amen. All right. So, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we... We share this scripture all the time. This is one of the foundational scriptures for redeeming love. So if you don't know Matthew 28, 18 through 20 by now, write it on your eyelids, guys. Memorize it. Put it in your heart. Put it down deep. Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and then in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all of the things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go, here's, the, here's what Jesus has to say. This is the last thing he says to his disciples before he's taken up into the air. He says, listen, I've got all the authority. All the authority of heaven is mine, all the authority on the earth is mine. And so because I have all of the authority, you can go and make disciples of all nations. This is your mandate moving forward. This is what I want you to do moving forward. From here on out, the, your job for the rest of your days is to make disciples. Make disciples. Make disciples, make disciples, make disciples. What's the first part of making a disciple? Getting someone to follow Jesus. That's the first part. First aspect of discipleship is say, hey, come follow Jesus. Okay, now I can teach you to observe all of the things that he's commanded us. What are those things? Our problem in certain Pentecostal uh, areas, in certain non-denominational churches, our, some of the problem is that we get too hung up on observing all of the things and not making disciples, not bringing more into the kingdom. We need to be a people that bring more into the kingdom. We're going to look at it in a minute. God's heart, God's heart, guys, is for everyone to be in the kingdom. Everyone. Everyone. Go walk through, go walk through Walmart. Go walk through Price Chopper. Go walk through downtown. Every single person that you see, God wants every single person, everyone, Everyone, everyone to be in the kingdom. First Peter 3 9 or 4 9. It says, second, it's in Peter. One of them. It says, uh, God is not slack concerning his promises, but he desires that everyone would come to repentance. Everyone would come to repentance. Everyone would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That none should perish. That none, not one. Jesus doesn't want to lose one. He's a God who leaves the 99 to go after the one. I have a secret for you today. I don't know if you know this or not, 
But Jesus is for church growth. Jesus is for church growth. The Holy Spirit is for church growth. In the book of Acts, Peter stands up to preach. There was 120 of them gathered together in the upper room, maybe a little bit more than the number that we have here today, maybe the same number. I don't know how many are in here today exactly, but it was about this many people were gathered together, upper room, Pentecost happened, they get out and Peter preaches and 5,000 people were added to the church that day, that day. I think the Holy Spirit is for church growth. I think he is. And then he preaches again later and it says 3,000 were added that day, that day. I think that I think that Jesus is for church growth. I think that the Holy Spirit, I think that the Father is for church growth because they don't want not one to perish. Not one to perish. Not one, not one, not one. One of our core values here at Redeeming Love is sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with those who don't know him. This is one of the core values that we have. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. I'll confess my sin. I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it. And if you, you're not good at it either, then we're in the same club. Right? There may be some here that you're like, I, I have no trouble doing that at all. That's great. Come and encourage us. I have a little bit of trouble. I, I try and I try and I try. It doesn't always go well for me. I'm figuring it out step by step by step. This book was a great help for me. I happen to have the belief that every single person on the planet would be better off if they knew Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you believe it in your heart of hearts? Do you believe it down deep in the core of who you are? I'm not talking about that you believe it here. We all know that everybody on the planet would be better off. Do you believe it here? Do you believe in your heart that, yes, that person would be better off if they knew Jesus? That multimillionaire who doesn't seem to have a lick of problems on the outside, he'd be better off if he knew Jesus. Really? This person who can't um, complete their uh, checking account at the end of the month, that person would be better off with Jesus. There is no one on the planet who would not be better off knowing Jesus. You know what I want? (laughs) You know what I want to see? I want to see us... Go out as a church and start sharing the gospel so much to the point that we start sharing the gospel with other Christians. They're like, I'm already saved. I'm already saved. Are you sure? Are you sure? If you died today, do you know that you'd go to heaven? Yes. Okay. 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 Where do you go to church? I don't. That's a whole nother conversation. We're not going to talk about, we might talk about that. We're not going to talk about that today. The, the important thing to understand here in this scripture, the thing that I want to point out to you is it says, go therefore and make disciples. All right, here's, here's a little secret. The operative word here is not go. The word of importance is not go. If you were to read this, um, this scripture in the, in the Passion Translation, it actually says, as you go, make disciples. This is very important 
Because too often, we emphasize on the going. Go, 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 go. No, 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 no. It's not an event. It's not an activity. It is the rest of your life. As you go from place to place, when you're in the market, when you're at work, when you're fishing, when you're hiking, when you're going to the balloon festival, when you're picking apples, when you're filling the blank, guys, when you're doing everything, when you're sleeping. I'm getting carried away with myself. When you're at the coffee shop having a delicious cup of coffee. No matter where you find yourself, make disciples. Make disciples. Make disciples. Make disciples. Make disciples. Make disciples. First Peter 3, 3, 5, 3, 15. First Peter 3.15. But sanct the Lord, but sanctify the Lord God always in your hearts and be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. Be ready. Are you ready? If someone came up to you today and said, what do I have to do to be saved? Are you ready? Are you ready to lead them to the Lord? You're at, you're somewhere and something happens, something bad happens and this guy's going to die and he wants to know how does he know Jesus so he can go to heaven? Do you have the goods to be able to lead that person to Christ? Are you ready? The Bible says, be ready. Be ready. Be ready, be ready, be ready. Are we ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Put me in, coach. I am not ready to get in the game because I just picked up the wrong foot. Did, you, did anybody notice that? I don't know how to, I'm not good at swinging the baseball bat. I haven't practiced. Have you practiced? Are you ready? Have you practiced? Are you ready to go in the game? Here's the secret. All kinds of secrets. Here's the secret. Who's ever ready, they can put in the game. When you're ready to give your defense of the hope that is within you, when you're ready to talk about Jesus, when you're ready to talk about the gospel, when you're ready to talk about it, all of a sudden, God's going to be like, you're in. You're, get in there. Come on. Come on. Get that sweatshirt off. Get in the game. Get in the game. Get in the game. Get in the game. Why? Because you're ready. Are you the most... Eloquent? No, I didn't ask for the most eloquent. Are you the most beautiful? Well, yeah, you are. You may not think so, but you are. You're just who God needs. I have another revelation for you. All these secrets and revelation. Today was a good day. Glad you guys came. There are people who don't like the way I say things. I know, I know you don't, you don't even believe that that's true, but I'm here to tell you. I know, I know, thank you. You guys are just too gracious. But there are, <laughs> I'm not exaggerating, there are people who don't like the way I say things. And so I'm going to have less of a chance of being able to lead them to Christ than you will. They actually like the way that you talk. They like the accent that you have. They like the look on your face when you're saying it. They like the reality that you bring when you're talking about God. They like everything about your relationship with him. They like it. Me, not so much. In a rare instance, maybe. <laughs> Come on, I'm joking, but I'm being serious. There are people that are turned off just by my very presence. 
and I can't figure it out. I'm not about to figure it out. There are some things that it's just, I have peace that passes understanding. I'm just okay with it. I don't have to know. There are some things that I can't fix. I don't need to fix it. I need to continue to share the gospel, and I need to continue to encourage others, all of you, to do the same. Because you're going to reach people that I can't reach. You're going to see people that I'll never see. It takes all of us. God's heart is for the city of Troy, 55,000 people, to be saved. I don't have the numbers, but I'll tell you right now that there's not 55,000 people in church this morning. There needs to be 55,000 people in church this morning. There needs to be 55,000 people in church next Sunday morning. We need to get to this point, and it's going to happen. I'm telling you, Troy's days are numbered. Revival is coming to the city of Troy. The city of Troy will be shut down on a Sunday morning. It will be shut down. Businesses will close because there's no sense in me being open because everybody's in church. This is coming to the city of Troy. I'll put you guys on notice right now if anybody's watching online. You're running a business. I mean, that may be not today, but it's coming. Everyone is going to be in church. Why? Because there's the presence of God is here already. Revival is coming. You can smell it. You can taste it. You can feel it. It's only a number of days. What do we do when 55,000 people are going to church? We clearly can't fit them in this building. We can't even fit them in the impact center. That only seats 1,900. I guess we're going to have to open a whole bunch more churches. It's the only answer. I can't do 25 services on a Sunday. Can't do it. It's physically impossible. There's only 24 hours in a day, and there's no way we have service in less than an hour. (laughs) I mean, just do the math. (laughs) Revival is coming. What happens when revival comes? Everybody goes to church. Why? Because they want the same thing you've got. good. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, it says, and he, meaning Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so let me just break the scripture down a little bit for you. God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors so that you guys, the body, anybody that's not one of those five things, can be built up for the work of ministry. So let's, 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 now let's slice it up and talk about what we're talking about specifically today. God gave the evangelist for the equipping of the body, for the equipping of the saints, for the equipping of you and I, so that we could go out and tell everybody about Jesus. It's not, here we go, another, another heavy revy. It is not, it is not, it is not the work of the evangelist to tell everybody about Jesus. It is the work of the evangelist to tell you how to tell everybody about Jesus. For the longest time, I thought that Pastor Tom was an evangelist. We go out to lunch, he's telling people about Jesus. We go anywhere. It doesn't even matter. We go kayaking. We run into somebody, and he's telling somebody about Jesus. Here's this stranger that pulls up on the shore. We've never seen this guy before in our life. 
one thing leads to another. Do you know Jesus? We went for a walk on the, or we were going for a bike ride, and we're out and, you know, conversation, and this guy, he wrote a book, and so Pastor Tom just starts asking him a couple questions, and next thing you know, he's, he's, do you know the Lord? Every single time. And I'm saying, he's an evangelist, he's an evangelist, he's an evangelist. He's like, I'm not an evangelist. I am just a responsible soul winner. I just know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Why do I take the trash out? It's not because I'm the trash man. It's because I am responsible and I know that I'm supposed to take the trash out. I set mouse traps and I catch mouse, mice, especially in the fall. Why? It's not because I'm the mice hunter. It's not because I'm the mouse whisperer. It's because I'm responsible. I do very well, by the way. We get lots of mice. I digress. It's because I'm responsible. I know that if I don't get rid of those mice, they're going to eat the, eat the food in my house, and I'm not going to let my wife do it. I'm going to kill those mice. Let's go. <laughs> the evangelist, <laughs> you guys are great. I love that you laugh at my jokes. It's not even, I'm not even telling a joke. The evangelist, it's not their job, guys. Don't put it all on them. It's your job. 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 Do 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 your job. It's all of our jobs to share the gospel with every person that we meet. And how do we do that? With meekness and fear. If we go back to 1 Peter 3.15. With meekness and fear. With meekness and fear. What is meekness? Best definition of meekness that I can give, it's a wild horse, right? What can a wild horse do? Anything it wants. It's crazy. Out of control. That was a cat, not a horse. <laughs> out of control, right? And then what happens? You put the, you train it, and now it's under control. What can the horse do now that it's not wild? It can still do everything, but it's only going to do it when? When the rider says, do it now. Do it now. It can still jump the fence, but not until the, the rider says, okay, now. Okay, now. It'll still go whatever. We can make it do a lot of things. Charlie Ann would know. I don't know. But this is the picture of meekness. I have all of the strength. And I have it under control, and I only use it when God says, do it now. Tell them now. Share that now. Share that now. With fear. With meekness and fear. Fear of the fact that if they don't know Christ, they may go to hell for all of eternity. Do it with fear that you may be the only person that ever shares the gospel with them. So I want to do it right. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Romans 5, 6 through 8. For when, we were with, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. 
Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were enemies of the cross, while we were as far away from God as we could be, Jesus died for you and me. The name of this book is Just Walk Across the Room. And it's evangelism made as simple as possible. One of the things that he talks about in chapter one, I'm going to share it with you, is the circle of comfort and the zone of the unknown. And so we all have our circles of comfort. And as soon as we dismiss church here today, you're all going to witness the circles of comfort. As soon as we dismiss church, everybody's going to get together with their friends and they're going to be like, hey, how was your week? Ah, it's good to talk to you. And so we get four or five in our group and we're like, hey, it's great. But we see someone who's not in our circle and we don't know who they are. And we have the opportunity right then, as soon as we see that person, whether, whether they're saved or unsaved, whether it's here at church or whether it's at a family function or whether it's at the, wherever it is that you go regularly, you're in your circle of comfort. We have them every place that we go there. We have these people that we know. But then God points someone out to us. And it's at that moment that we have the opportunity to obey the Holy Spirit or to not. Disobedience is sin. To obey the Holy Spirit or not. But we have to take a risk. We have to step outside of our circle of comfort and we have to walk out into the zone of the unknown and we have to go after that person that the Holy Spirit had pointed out to us, not knowing what will happen when we get there. Not knowing what will happen when we get there. But if we would just walk across the room, who knows what God might it could change someone's eternal destination. That's a big deal. That's the biggest deal. You could spend all of your life in your circle of comfort, in your circle of friends, or you can jump out and just walk across the room, and suddenly we are impacting eternity because we are being obedient to the Holy Spirit. Now, what do we say when we get there? Well, we got 11 more chapters to figure that out, guys. But the first thing we have to do is we have to be willing to take the risk. We have to be willing to get out of our own comfort zone. We need to be willing to get out of the boat and start walking on the water and start going after God, going after those people that God puts on our heart. Maybe you wake up in the morning and you didn't have any plans that day and suddenly God puts someone on your heart, puts a name on your heart and you're like, I gotta go find this person. You call, you text, you can't find them. You go to one of their favorite places and boom, there they are. Hey, I called, I texted, you didn't respond. I just, I'm so happy to run into you. Yeah, I had a really bad day. You're there for that reason. Who knows? I don't know, guys, but this is the way the Holy Spirit works. We need to start listening more and just walking across the room more. God so loved the world. God, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus had his own circle of comfort. It's called heaven. He existed there for the eternal, dateless past. He existed in heaven. I'm telling you what, it's kind of nice there. It's a little bit nicer than it is here. There's no more sickness. There's no more pain. There's, there's uh, inapproachable light. It's just beyond your wildest belief. It's where we all want to be. It is, the, it is the ineffable circle of comfort. If you were there, you would be comforted. 
telling you right now. And Jesus left that place and he said, oh, look, here's the opportunity. I'm going to step out of the circle of comfort. I'm going to go to earth. I know that they hate me right now. I know that they're sinners. I know that they're doing everything wrong. I know that their life is a mess. But I love them. And I know that if I walk across this room and just say, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. I'll change their life. While we were yet sinners, God walked across the universe for us. While I was still a sinner, Jesus walked across the universe for me. For me. Let me make it personal. He did it just for me. He did it for you. He did it just for you. He walked across the universe. That's not a small walk. He did it for you. And we get together and we're in our little comfort of three and four friends and we can't go 30 feet to the other side of the room and say, hey, how you doing? John 3, 13 through 15, for no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man, Jesus, who is in heaven. And as Moses was lifted up in the wilderness, even so the son of man must be lifted up that whosoever believes in him will not perish, will not have to go to hell, but will have eternal life. They will go to heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the glorious message of the gospel. See, because Jesus didn't come to condemn the world because we were all condemned already. So here's a, little, here's a little easy preaching point. One of the things that I hear often when I'm sharing Jesus with someone is, why won't God let us come to him any way we want? This is a regular argument in today's universal society. We want to be able to come any way we want. I want to do it any way we, I want. That's... That's an okay thinking, but it's not, it's not reality. Here's the reality of what happened, if I will. There, heaven's on this side, and, and there's this great chasm that cannot be crossed, and hell is on this side. And Jesus came, and he made a way to get across. And the way across is Jesus. It's him. He made the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, there are many other paths. This path, that path, none of them are Jesus, and none of them get across the chasm. Jesus is the only one. And so it's not that he's a God who's unloving, but it cost him the blood of, his, of Jesus was poured out to make this way. It's not that he's unloving. He's loving because he made a way. There was no way until he came. Before Jesus, everyone who died went to hell and was in Abraham's bosom. When Jesus came, it says he led captivity captive, and the dead who were righteous were seen walking the earth for, I think, about a period of about four hours. That's really cool. And then they went, and then, hey, there's Uncle Fred. Man, he was such a good guy. Where did he come back? What are you doing? This is fantastic. Yeah, I'm only here for a minute. We're going to heaven. Jesus came. He led captivity captive. Those who were in Abraham's bosom, he took them to heaven. 
Because there was no way. Before Jesus, only Elijah and Enoch were in heaven. And maybe Moses, if you can make that argument, but probably not, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Nobody was there. Just God and the Holy Spirit and the angels and the elders. And Elijah and Enoch. And maybe Moses. And that's it. And then Jesus came and said, hey, all you guys, come on with me. And he took him and he brought him to heaven. He's like, hey, look. And now there's a way. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So now when we die, we go to heaven. We're there with him. Praise the Lord. If we know him. If we have relationship with him. You know, it's interesting. And I know that it's, it's not every time. Let me, I'll say what I'm going to say and then I'll put in a little quip pro quo at the end. When Jesus says to those who come that know him, what does he say? He says, well done, right? What does he say? To those who are coming in, he says, well done, good and faithful servant, right? We've read this. We've talked about this. We know this. What does he say to those? He doesn't, uh, he doesn't say to those who get in. He doesn't say, hey, you believed right. You get in. No. This is where I, I get off... I, Non-essential doctrine is not important because never once did Jesus say, you had theology perfect, come on in. Not once did he ever say that. Not once. Go and find it for me. It's not there, I'm telling you. Read it forwards, backwards, sideways, any ways you want. It's not there. It's still not there. What does he say to those who don't get in? He doesn't say you didn't do a good job. That's not what he says. He has something different to say. He says, I never knew you. I don't know who you are. I don't know you. I don't know you. Pretty cool. Now, I know there is the part in uh, when he's talking about, you know, you've done it for me, for the least of these brethren you did for me. When you haven't done it for me, you haven't done it for them, right? I know that scripture's there, and I know there's some others, but that's the predominant issue. If we read through the whole of the gospel, we hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the rest of your of your father. And we hear, I never knew you. Away from me, depart into darkness to those who don't. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come and live inside your heart, I want to invite you to do that right now. Jesus Christ left the estate of heaven and he came and died for us on the cross while we were still in sin. See, the problem is that sin separates us from God and sin causes us to not be able to go to heaven when we die. Jesus came and he died for us so that we could be forgiven of our sin and go to heaven so that we could have healing in our physical bodies right now and that we could be delivered from every evil on the earth, every evil oppression, every evil possession, every evil. He came to deliver us from that. That's why Jesus came. It's the whole deal. It's the whole deal. It's not one or the other. He didn't come just so we could go to heaven. He came so that we could, go, we could go to heaven, our sins would be forgiven, so that we could be healed in our physical bodies. We've seen healings here in this church, very many, very recently. We're going to see more. We'll pray today after service if you're sick. And he came to deliver us from evil oppression. That's why Jesus came. If you're here today and you'd like to have a relationship with God, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I am a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, come and live inside my heart, guide me and lead me all of my life. I know that you died for my sins, 
that you died for my healing and that you died for my deliverance. God, I surrender my life to you now. I ask that you would help me to live for you all of the days of my life. I believe that you are the son of God, that you died upon the cross, that you rose on the third day and you are seated in heaven with God. In Jesus' name, amen. On your engaged card, there's a spot on the back that says, today I follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. If that's you, just check that box. I want to send you some information about what it means to follow Jesus, what your next steps are, uh, more about what the decision that you've made today. Also, just come and let me know because I would love to celebrate with you. There is more rejoicing in heaven over one person who begins to follow the Lord than 99 people who have been following the Lord the whole time. And so if you got saved today, if you prayed that prayer today, I would love to rejoice with you. Amen? Uh, Allison, come receive the offering. And sign up for an engaged group.